Kia ora and welcome to Catherine Dyer, the climate correspondent for the Kaka. Catherine, lovely to see you and thanks again for your um, your weekly wraps, which I've uh, put together the last couple of weeks. Uh, really, really appreciate it and um, plenty of news around uh, at the moment. But one video in particular that you wanted to highlight for our audience, which people can see in the email newsletter that you're probably seeing this podcast on or hearing this podcast on. Um, can you tell us about this this uh, YouTube video from Sabine Hossenfelder, which um, has caught your attention? Yeah, so there's this um, German theoretical physicist by the name of Sabina Hossenfelder who has a, a whole YouTube channel where she explains a lot of stuff that's going on across di different um, bits of science, but she covers climate change as well. And there was a video of hers that came out um, just over a week ago or two weeks ago now that started to um, do the rounds, like a lot of people were sharing it and looking at it because it's a really interesting take on some of the things that are going on at the moment and um, is also kind of a little scary um, to watch. So um, we put it up there because it, it does um, talk about and explain some things that people probably ought to be aware of. Including? Um, so she is... Uh, Looking at, um, in particular, um, climate um, equilibrium, climate sensitivity. So this is um, how much does the temperature increase depending on um, when you double CO2 in the atmosphere. So mm. if you double CO2 emissions, what kind of temperature comes out of that? Um, and there's a, a consensus about that, but it's always in, in the science in terms of the in terms of a range that, that that's likely to sit within. But it's always been hotly debated um, for a long time and it's still being debated today. Like there's some challenges to that consensus at the moment. Um, and what she was looking at in particular is the impact that cloud clouds have on equilibrium climate sensitivity. Mm. So there's been sort of quite a bit of new research on clouds and, um, and it's th throwing up some... Um, interesting things, and it's not really settled yet how that's going to come out. So that's that's one of the things she's talking about. Mm, because we're starting to talk about how cloud cover uh, can um, accelerate some forms of warning. I mean, apart from the fact that cloud cover can cause all sorts of other uh, dramas, seasonal affective disorder being, being one of them. But can you talk about um, how she's... Uh, pulled together the, the cloud cover work and um, how it relates to the sorts of uh, projections that we're seeing from the likes of um, Hansen and also what the IPCC are saying. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a, a long story, so I kind of recommend um, watching the video because I'm only going to be mm. able to touch on a couple of aspects of it. But I, I think the thing to know about clouds is that we – know and have known for a long time that clouds can do some cooling as well as some heating. So they can um, reflect um, energy from the sun back out into space, which helps cool the atmosphere. But then they can also act to trap energy um, beneath them, close to the Earth's surface, um, producing a greenhouse effect. So they have both cooling and heating potential. And but how they interact with the entire climate system is really, really complicated. And so for a long time when it comes to climate models, um, there's been kind of this belief, oh, well, it does both cooling and heating. They probably cancel each other out. We'll just leave them out 
of the models because we don't actually know in detail what's happening. And over the last decade, there's been more and more studies looking at, at clouds and how and what difference they make and how they how they contribute. Um, and so, you know, some of the early stuff coming out of that is still a bit, um, you know, there are still question marks about it. So, but what what it's tending to show so far is that clouds probably act to amplify um, global warming. So they have an amplification effect. And when some of this data starts getting put into climate models, um, in particular, there's a whole set of of climate models. There's about 55 odd ranges between 50 and 60 different models that the IPCC scientists use to predict um, temperatures. Um, and they use a compilation of all these models because they're all similar but slightly different. Um, some of them started adding in data about clouds and about 10 of these models a few years ago started running really hot. So they were producing um, results that were suggesting that climate sensitivity was higher than what is currently in the models. Now, this, the IPCC scientists looked at the, that and thought, well, those models don't do a very good job of replicating the paleoclimate record. So one of the ways that you can check if a model works or not is you you go back in history and you you pick a, a point in time and you go, we're going to put in all the data that we have before that point of, in time and then test the model to see how well it predicts the next few decades. And because you already know what those few decades showed, you can you can check whether it's accurate or not. Right, so you you check it against the historic record, and those models didn't do very well against the historic record. And so the scientists said, "Well, we don't know what's going on. We think maybe they don't have, they don't know everything we need to know about clouds yet. They may be running hot because of that. So what we'll do with those fifty-five models is we'll weight how how much they provide. We'll weight them according to to how well they." predict the or how well they replicate the historic temperatures and that makes a lot of sense right they're kind of going we're not sure what's going on here we think they might have something not quite fully right so we'll we'll wait the ones that are different to all the other ones um and what um and so sabina hossenfelder is talking about that process and saying that there's one particular climate model in particular that's one run by the UK Met Office and that climate model is different to other climate models in that you can you can tweak it a bit and you can actually use it to predict short-term weather as well as long-term climate so you can actually use it both short-term and long-term that's unusual crossing, for the, climate. crossing, the, crossing the climate versus yeah. weather barrier species yeah. barrier yep. normally they only climate big climate models only work in the long term but this one can can be made to work more short term and so they kind of said well we don't really know what the clouds were doing back in the dinosaur days because the dinosaurs didn't upload their satellite records um and so they're maybe... very good with spreadsheets. It's those <laughs> yeah. those big fans, you know, they're not very good with them. Yeah. yeah. So relying on the, the what we know about that time frame, it may not be entirely right. So so what instead they did is they took their cloud data and put it into the short term model to see how well it predicted weather in the short term um, over the next, you know, like five days or whatever. Right. And sure. when they did that, what they found is that it was more accurate than the current weather modeling like it was very accurate and so that kind of tended to suggest that their 
climate, long-term climate model running hot wasn't because the cloud data was wrong. Maybe it's because there was something, there was actually something wrong with the paleo climate record that we're trying to force every, every model to replicate. Mm. And this kind of then fits into what um, Hansen and his team have been saying about equilibrium climate sensitivity. Hansen has been saying that the paleo climate record, um, there were there were patches of time back in the day that were running a lot hotter than what we currently think that they did. Mm. You know, so there's something wrong with our paleo climate record, um, and that that and that means that the equilibrium climate sensitivity is higher. That means that um, climate change is going to happen quicker than what we expect. Um, and Yikes. that date that has been masked by some other things that we've been getting wrong about aerosols. So the one thing I'd say about this, and, and Andrew Desler and Seki Housefather, they have a, a, those are uh, important climate scientists. They have a, a substack called The Climate Brink, and they addressed this whole issue with the video from Sabina Hausenfelder and talked about it a bit and sort of said, you know, you can't just take one study like that. There's also a whole bunch of studies that say something different and that support the the current consensus. And so, yes, that's one line of evidence. It's interesting. Yes, it may turn out eventually that Hansen is right um, about climate sensitivity, but there's a whole lot of contradictory information at the moment and we're going to need some time to sort through it and work out, you know, which is where our consensus still lies. Um, so the reason I'm putting this up is not because I'm saying that's 100% right and, and and everybody should panic. It's more about that might be right. <laughs> and there's more evidence to come and more study to come and more, you know, whatever before we know for sure. Um but it's probably not a bad idea to start to mentally prepare for what mm. that would mean. Um, and and within her video, um, Sabina Hassenfelder starts talking about what she expects the next 20 to 30 years to look like. Um, and she suggests people... I hope people, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please let it be good. It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not. Um, she actually says if you struggle with mental health problems and depression and stuff probably don't watch that bit. It's never um, a good sign when they tell you that. Yeah, and, and the other thing is that um, Desler and, and Zeki Housefather, they kind of go, oh, on this stuff, she's on sturdier ground because mm. that's all pretty much kind of happening in, anyway, even if even if the um, equilibrium climate sensitivity is, whether it's where, where we think it is at the moment or whether it's higher, that stuff is all still in our future to worry about. Um, so, yep, I think it's worth um, having a look at and worth understanding um, what kind of impacts it's going to have, you know, over the next few decades so that people start to think a little bit more seriously about that. Because a lot of the stuff that she talks about is things that she thinks the next 20 to 30 years will look like. An awful lot of that just comes straight out of things that have been talked about in the academic literature, stuff about um, climate-forced migration and and um, wet bulb temperatures and, you know, all of the stuff that's well-researched and already talked about. It's just that when you put it all together into a single picture and say that's going to happen within the next couple of decades, it's it's kind of scary to watch. Yeah. 
And you, you've got a line in your um, a rap here, don't despair, disaster is near. Uh, and talking about social tipping points, could you give us a, a, a flesh that one out a bit? Yeah, so that was another study that's just come out um, and it was um, covered in a Times article. So the title of it was Apocalyptic Optimism could be the antidote for climate fatalism. So this is a, a professor, Professor Dana Fisher, who's looking at the stuff and saying, well, actually, you know, in the absence of kind of really good policy leadership, policy making leadership, we're not moving quickly enough. Um, what is the thing that's going to mobilize society to actually make the changes that we need to make more quickly, um, assuming that we do. And she says it may well be a series of climate shocks um, in which personal and economic risks reach a critical threshold. So, you know, basically that's saying just enough catastrophe and disaster might be what pushes people into that social tipping point moment where we start to actually um, mobilise to deal with the issue. Um, Some of us thought that might have been Cyclone Gabrielle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it proved not to be the case. <laughs> Probably seems. not. But I mean, I guess what she's saying is, you know, if you despair and think that the do nothing that's happening right now is what's going to continue to happen, there is a mm. point at which people will, will go, oh shit, you know, and collectively, and then you'll start to see um, some systematic things changing. So it's not the do nothing won't go on forever. It's just that, you know, it might not be. Um, fun the things that that happened before. It's an interesting that tipping point is um, reached. That's an interesting combination of uh, catastrophe and optimism. Exactly. <laughs> which exactly. We've, we've got to grasp at something. You know, that's that's great. <laughs> it's optimism out of catastrophe. I love it. Yeah. Um, but but that whole social tipping points. Um, that's a that's kind of a an evolving area of research right now. So Professor Tim Lenton, who has also done a lot of work on physical tipping points in the in the climate models, it's something that he's getting into as well. So there's there's a lot of um, a lot of study in the social sciences happening around that kind of thing. What are the social tipping points? Excellent. Uh, Catherine Dyer there, our climate correspondent for the Kaka, who uh, produces a, a regular um, uh, uh, rap on climate news globally and locally, and um, comes on to our Hoon weekly as well. Um, thank you again for your for your raps, and uh, I'm the culprit in terms of not putting them up fast enough and <laughs> regularly enough. But we'll get into the. We'll get into the habits and um, really appreciate your work. Thank you very much. Uh, that has been a climate wrap on the Kaka. Thanks. Hmm. Trying to stop it. Why won't it stop? Hmm. Let me just see. If there's something I'm doing wrong here, you know how that moment you point your clicker at something and nothing happens. Nothing happens. You're still <laughs> thinking about something else you did. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's maybe it's having a little snit. Um, uh, yeah, something's gone wrong here. I'm going to end the session for all, Catherine. That should be yep. okay. Um, and, and then I'll, I'll go back to your. Link and come back in. Yeah, just to upload the data. For some reason, I think it's a problem at mind. Okay. Y yeah.
Thank you very much. That's fantastic. And uh, talk again today at 10 past four. Um, okay, so we're not going to do the other the other piece now? I'm combining the two and focusing on, on this, if that's okay. Okay, yep. That's cool. Yeah. Is that, yep. is that all right? That's my, my bad for not being able to put, <laughs> put the one out last week. But yep. um, we're getting into the... We're getting into the habits, and uh, no, it will get there. Okay, no worries. Thank, thank you. Okay, cheers. All right, see ya. Bye. Hmm.